welcome to Is This Music with your host, Shelby Jacobson. This is episode three. It's been a hot minute since I posted my last interview, but here we are. Thank you for tuning in. Today on my podcast, I interview Rocio Mesa, the director of the Spanish Contemporary Cinema Showcase, L.A. Ola. She is also a writer, a producer, and a filmmaker, not to mention an incredible person, and I am so excited for you to hear the tracks that she brought in. One side note, as you'll soon recognize, I say this before every episode begins. The audio quality isn't my finest, and I hope you'll forgive me and listen to this anyway. I didn't realize that my shitty $20 microphones I bought off of Amazon would actually work this well, and they recorded too much sound, and things are a little bit blown out, if you can believe it. But, that being said, the episode's still really great, and I hope you enjoy. Let's listen to it. Hello, and welcome to episode three of Is This Music with me. My name is Shelby Jacobson. That's not the point. That's not why we're here. We are here with Rocio Mesa. Uh, She is the most incredible woman I've ever met in my whole life, and I'm glad I'm saying that right off the top. She is the director of the Spanish Contemporary Cinema Showcase called L.A. Hola. <laughs> also a writer, producer, and a filmmaker, correct? Correct. I'm, I'm missing out on some things, I think, but is that... Everything's correct, is I guess. Anything else? Bread lover? <laughs> I'm, not that, I'm not that awesome, but it's, for the, the rest of the stuff, it's true. A humble woman <laughs> is also one of those. Um, the damn lady does it all, and I'm really excited that you're here with me. In my bedroom. (laughs) I'm really excited to be with you because you're also an amazing woman. Um, So, uh, it's been a little bit since I've recorded one of these episodes because I could give you a long reason why of life getting in the way, but that's really boring. But um, I've been meaning to interview Rocio for a long time because... She is such an inspirational woman doing shit, and she's on fire right now. She... Is it your um, showcase that you created, or how did it come to be? Well, the thing is, a long time ago, I made a feature film. And uh, the distributors of my feature film were in Spain, because I'm from Spain. Surprise. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not pretending this accent is all real. She is a real spicy Spaniard. <laughs> it's all real. <laughs> so I went to Spain one time. I was just visiting, and I had a meeting with them. And they were like, hey, since you live in the United States, you live in L.A., and L.A. is the mecca of cinema. Yeah. You live in Hollywood. Hollywood, the so- Hollywood sign is exactly. famous. <laughs> so they were like, why don't we take advantage of all the contacts that we have in Spain? Because we know like all the filmmakers and distributors here. And we do a showcase of independent cinema in the United States. And I was like, okay. At the beginning, I was like, that's going to be really easy, you know? We just bring movies, screen the movies here, done. No, it wasn't. It's like Netflix. No. <laughs> you just p- press a button on your laptop and it it's goes. really hard and it's not easy. But basically, what we're, what we're trying to do is, there is already a showcase of a Spanish cinema in L.A. called the Resonant Spanish Cinema. And what they bring to L.A., it's like mainstream films made in Spain. Like, mm-hmm. basically films that you, that you make to get some revenue in the box office. So it's like a product, okay? Yeah. So what we're, what we we're trying to do is to showcase independent cinema. Because mm-hmm. independent cinema in Spain, it's living right now a beautiful moment. I think it's because of economic crisis that everyone was like jobless. Mm-hmm. 
and all these artists had nothing to do because they didn't have any jobs, that creativity went crazy, and they started making these incredible films, and they were winning a lot of awards in international festivals like Rotterdam, Locarno, Berlin, and but they still didn't have the money of the resources to distribute these films internationally. Because the, the traditional channels for distribution, I mean, not to mention that it's impossible to get to theaters with an independent films right now, but not even to get, like, to cross the boundaries of your own country. Because you need tons of money out of your general budget of the film for marketing, for advertising, mm-hmm. You need to hire a PR. You need to, like, have articles in Variety and IndieWire. Like, it's impossible for them. Yeah. So, basically, we did that. We created a space to distribute and to bring these films to the local audience. It's amazing. I mean, I'm excited because I feel like we're helping a lot of people. We're helping filmmakers in Spain. And we're helping local audience who really want to see these interesting films. Yeah. People in LA who are like super into weird stuff and more avant-garde and more groundbreaking films Mm -hmm. and they don't have the opportunity to see them because it's really hard for all those films, not only from Spain, from any other country to get here. People are scared of subtitles and all that. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to read on a gigantic (laughs) screen. There's no excuse. I'm really thankful that I got to go this is my second year of going and I don't think I would be able to find these films on my own like it's such a wonderful platform to kind of just immerse yourself into it somebody else's culture and absorb these incredible films that are so unique and so beautifully done and have so much love and care put into each one of them and I see all the stuff behind the scenes that you are like constantly doing and you're like a swan just so graceful on the outside, but definitely so hard underneath the water. Um, it's really cool. And I know your whole team that's also working with you is like total badasses. They just crank it out. Dude, but, that's yeah, real. That's real. It just wrapped, right? Let's go into how like it's now the beginning of June, but I guess the LA part of La, LA Ola. I keep calling it La. I'm sure I'm not the it, first. It's person, La Ola in Spanish and LA Ola in English. Well, there I you mean, go. you you can you go can't go wrong either ways. Yeah. Well, I'll call it because I'm from LA, so I'll say the LA Ola. But um, it was what days in May? I'm sorry, I was it there. Happened, I promise. Yeah, <laughs> she was. <laughs> It happened this year in from May 18th until the 21st, and then in New York, because this year for the first time we did a New York edition. Amazing. And it happened in June, from June 2nd to June 4th. So last weekend. That, yeah. I, really, yeah. I haven't even seen you since then. I really want to pick your brain about how that was and maybe the differences in location and different uh, places. You, you had this rooftop. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess it's... Is it always playing? They always play movies up there? Yeah. It's, it's incredible. No, I feel like it's I, was, I was in a movie. The crazy. rooftop is called the Montalban Cinema Club Rooftop, mm-hmm. and it's in Hollywood, which, I mean, it's an odd location because most people don't like to go to Hollywood. It was, like, in the center of Hollywood. It's in I don't the mean center, to yeah. But, like, it was, like, in the center on a rooftop of a huge building where you're just amongst all of the lights and all the, like, signs. Scientology, and everything. Yeah. You can yeah. see everything. <laughs> I believed in it at that moment. So yeah, the good thing about, well, in LA, we have three locations right now. The Echo Park Film Center, which is really important for us because Mm -hmm. it's local community. And I feel like as much as you want to reach 
be good audiences, you need to always think about your community. Totally. So I wanted to collaborate with a place like the Ecopart Film Center that has the soul and the energy that we do have, bringing like weird 16 millimeters, 8 millimeters, and, and like experimental films to the, the local community. Mm -hmm. So we do collaborate with them. And we also have the Montalban rooftop, which is the rooftop that we were talking about, which is incredible, like insane. It's kind of like so beautiful that it's it a dream. seems like a cartoon. Like, yeah. It was amazing. So it's really cool because they normally screen, they normally have like sold out nights all the summer. I need to because they screen one. big movies like Chinatown and Casablanca and like big blockbusters. So I thought it was, I felt honored that they decided to support a small film showcase with independent films from Spain just because they believed in it. And they were like, you know what? We can sell out this theater in three seconds, it's screening the, the Fast and the Furious 7 or whatever number they're doing right now. But you know why we're gonna take we're gonna take this risk and we're gonna open the doors so cool. to these nerds <laughs> and we're just gonna host them. Cool nerds, not yeah. just regular, as if there's a difference. <laughs> and then the third location we have is is the Egyptian theater. Yes. So this famous. is the third year that we do the showcase mm -hmm. for like three times we have gotten that theater sold out. That place is massive too. It's so cool. It's really cool. And we do we do a cocktail reception on the closing night and we have wine and tapas from Spain. And we also have master classes with some of the directors that we invite because that, that's the biggest highlight of the film showcase that we spend shit ton of money. Yeah. Thanks to our sponsors. Give them bringing, a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> bringing filmmakers from Spain to present their own movies, which is also an opportunity for them to travel and to have meetings here and to sell the, their films to local distributors or like curators, film critics that go to the screenings and, um, so yeah, we sold out the Egyptian three times. And then in New York, we have the Anthology Film Archives, which oh is, God. it was a dream for me. It was a dream for the entire team and for the filmmakers. Because it's such a strong institution that he's, they've been like for years supporting experimental avant-garde groundbreaking cinema and, and films from other countries. So it was like really important for us That's to be so there amazing. and really magical. It's so, the building is so old. And it's so freaky. And, and the theater, it's so pro. It's just, it has all the elements that I love. Amazing. That's so, so cool. Yeah. I'm so proud and so happy for you because I know how much heart and soul you've put into this project alongside everyone else. But it's just so cool to see it growing. Like, I've, I mean, I feel like a newbie because I've, this is my second year attending. But even in the one year span, it seems like it's like double or tripled in in success or in in hype and like momentum and you have some good opportunities coming out of it now like variety just listed you as one of the 10 people to watch uh, oh from Spanish filmmakers <laughs> better watch me yeah so it's I'm fucking my pants. <laughs> <laughs> she's shitting her pants right now it's pretty crazy um yeah it's just really exciting i i don't know i'm i don't want to speak for you but i feel no, really thank excited. you but also, it's not just me. It's like the, mm -hmm. the entire team. We're yeah. a tiny, tiny team. Oh, yeah. Of like eight people. Like we have a few people in Spain, a few people here. We work our asses off and we don't get paid for these because we have people supporting. 
but all the money we get is to just make the festival bigger and better. So it's a passion. You and, can tell. And the team is amazing. I work totally. with friends, yeah. which, which there is love. You can breathe mm-hmm. the love. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. How did you assemble your team? How did, did it like organically kind of just happen or? It kind of happened. Well, the thing is like when you come to LA, I felt like a, like an alien. I was like, yeah. what am I doing in Hollywood? Why am I here? The reason why I came here for the first time is because I got a grant from my government to go to a film school. And they were from like, Spain. from Spain, okay. yeah. And the, I didn't know I was English like, at the I time. Was like, the USA would not do that. <laughs> no. It was the government of Spain and they dared to send me here without knowing English or anything. And uh, I was really lost. Mm-hmm. But basically, they asked me, do you want to go to New York or do you want to go to L.A.? Because the film school that I was attending to, it had two locations. And uh, I thought about it and I was like, well, all the music that I'm into is in California. Because mm-hmm. I, I I, was and I am crazy about garage music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just want to go to California <laughs> and see all the bands that I love. So I came here because of the rock and roll. And then when I come here, I see Hollywood. And I'm like, fuck, Hollywood is in California. I'm, I swear to God, didn't even make the connection. I was so excited to come here and go to shows that I didn't think about it. So when I came here and I started hanging out with all these filmmaking people, going to parties in which everyone was like networking mm-hmm. and asking you for your business card, I was like, what, what the hell? Card? I'm just a fraggle rock here. Like, so... It was easy for me to find the people who were going to partner with me because I don't know that many people in L.A. who are into indie films and also connected with Spain. Yeah. Most Spaniards coming here, they are more lead to mainstream films and they want to be in a Hollywood studio, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, totally, I respect them and... Dude, it's cool, yeah. you know, like, yeah, that's just not your, but it's journey. not my vibe. So the people who I knew they were into my vibe, those were the people that I, that I was like, Hey, do you want to do this crazy thing with me? Let's do it. And we did it. That's so cool. So it's happening. And next year it will happen again. And, um, like looking forward to get the same or even better locations to keep bringing, like, other activities, because we also have, like, this year for the opening, we had a concert, and um, and also we have a panel. Like, for every oh, year, yeah. we have a panel, and this year we dedicated it to women in the industry. Amazing. And it was super inspiring. Yeah. Like, every year we do a panel, and every year is very useful. We did panels about how to sell your indie film, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you've done the indie film, good, but now you need to sell it, and mm-hmm. you need to put it into places. That was good, but the the one about women, I guess, it touched me because mm-hmm. I'm very into feminism and all those things. I'm interested in that. <laughs> so we can talk about ours about colonialism, gentrification, feminism, but let's <laughs> let's talk about music. Two. That could be the after hours episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah so. Yeah, looking forward to do more more interesting things. Yeah, that's amazing that you're creating a platform for those voices to be heard. It's really cool, and I'm very excited to see more of that, or hear more, or both. Before we go into your top five songs that you've brought in for me... Top five. The top five. <laughs> um, I just want to maybe touch on maybe how we know each other, just so we're not just two strangers in a, my bedroom. <laughs> oh my god. Um, we met... We, we met, met in New Year's. We met. We met at uh, a 
Friendsgiving party that was right before. Oh my God, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. We met met there. But we really met on New Year's. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, We met at a party. Shelby came. We were in a party. It was a Thanksgiving thing Mm -hmm. where people brought... um, It was like um, a potluck thing. People brought booze or food or... I brought sangria. Yeah, that's (laughs) what I was going to say. And Shelby showed up. This beautiful blonde girl came and said... I brought sangria, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's my best friend right now. <laughs> also, some people brought papayas. Oh, yeah. Which I thought it was really weird for a yeah, Thanksgiving it was like dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it was a late Thanksgiving uh, thing. It was very postponed, but it happened in December. But Yeah, but then we went to... to Palm Springs yes. for New Year's. We sure did. On a road trip. Yes. And that was, that was it. That was it. Yes. We We're not going to get into yeah. the details here because some of them are illegal, but that was it. <laughs> well, I my mom knows about this podcast. So I took a lot of Molly. We both took the best Molly of our And it was great. It's a great story to tell just people who literally don't fucking care at all, but that's the most classic thing. Yeah, we had like the best time. We just took the a best. ton of Molly. It was like fucking amazing. <laughs> no, it was a great bonding weekend because it was a special group of people, and yeah, it was. And we saw the Aussies. Yes, right one of my favorite bands, and uh, and it was great. They suck. <laughs> just kidding. They, they rock. Um, just to fast forward a little bit, uh, later on in life of our friend, our budding friendship. Almost six months ago now, Rocio took her first stage dive at the same uh, rock band's they concert. They drew. They drew. And I wouldn't say dislocated. Did you snap your collarbone? No, I totally broke my shoulder. <laughs> shoulder, yeah. And that that <laughs> I mean one, one I mean once you are in a rock show and you tell your friend I'm about to crowd surfing and she tells you don't do it when people are not ready and you just do it yeah. and then you broke your shoulder. That basically. <laughs> unites you forever yeah. and that friendship can never be broken like your shoulder yeah, beat. it's that's a beautiful way of saying it uh, just a little context um in her more adult life um she has never stage dove proper and never it was kind of on her bucket list if i do recall yeah um so in my idiotic youth i have done it too many times and almost always it's failed but i had a few little pointers like, uh, if the crowd is thrashing around and there's giant potholes in the center of it, probably not a good idea to jump in the middle of the potholes. <laughs> also, it's not a good idea to drink a lot of tequila before yeah. you do it. And take off your glasses. That and you take off your glasses, because I have glasses. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a bunch of elements. <laughs> it was, a, it was lot. a lot of elements. There was a lot. I, I can say that breaking my shoulder was probably the transition from me to... Stop being a teenager and becoming an adult. I'm an adult now, thanks really? to that. Oh, yeah, I feel so adult. I'm very mature now. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was amazing. And then she had still to go back to party. To still down to party. Still down to party, but in bed by midnight. So we got, we got like, about an hour. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk about the uh, your top selection five. of songs? Top five. Your top five. I want to talk about it. So I'm a little nervous because I don't want to fuck up these uh, pronunciations, and I know maybe this is a test for me. It's a test. Um, I did it on purpose. Great. 
Um, so you brought in five songs. Um, do you want to talk about just the background of what what made you select the ones that you did, and maybe the theme or okay. the importance? So I brought five songs and one extra track. Okay. The extra track is unrelated with the other four songs. Okay. <laughs> so the four songs I brought. Oh, five. The, you brought five. Yeah, it's, sorry, the five songs I brought. <laughs> Well, the reasons the reason I picked them is because well, first thing first, all of them are before 1975, and um, some of them are even from the 30s and 40s. All of them are related with the foreigner musicians that somehow most of them or all of them ended up in the United States. And the reason why I did that is because that's me, right? Yeah. I'm a foreigner and I, I ended up in the United States somehow. That's amazing. Some of them are related with Spain, some of them are not. And uh, all of them are related with folk music. Because I'm very into exotica music and I like sounds from other countries and other cultures. And I like history of sounds and history of music. Like, so, yeah, they're kind of related with that. Amazing. <laughs> Great. I want to uh, attempt to say the first one. I'm really embarrassed and I feel like a fucking puny, shitty American right now. It's from 1931. Uh, let's see. I'm going to give it a long pause. <laughs> Federico Garcia Lorca y la Argentinita. Yeah. Did really I, good. I, I Perfect. You no, nail it. I did not. You nail it. I didn't. You're being nice. No, no. You nail it. And this. Okay, I'm confident now. The song is that the artist. That's the artist, and the name of the song is El Zorongo Gitano. Exactly. Wow. Uh, that's our podcast, folks. Thank you. Uh, ending it while it's hot. <laughs> so. Um, okay. So Federico García Lorca is one of the most remarkable poets of his, from Spain. And he was born in Granada, where I'm born. I'm from Granada. Amazing. So that's why I decided to start with that one. And so basically, Federico García Lorca wrote this uh, book of poems called A Poet in New York, which is uh, one of the most re remarkable pieces of his career. And um, meaning that he, he came to New York. He came to New York and he wrote all these poems about the city and about him being here. So that... Like I said in my introduction, he's a poet from Spain, but it's also related with the United States somehow. And uh, he was killed by, by um, well, during the Civil War. Okay. He was called during this, he was killed during the Civil War because, well, he was an artist. He was homosexual. He was a free spirit, open-minded, and that wasn't allowed by the regime of Franco mm -hmm. and, and the, you know, the party that mm -hmm. won the Civil War. And then afterwards, we had a dictator, so really sad part. But during the time that he was alive, he was pretty awesome, very inspiring until today. And one of the things that he did is he uh, went all around these little towns in South Spain, mm -hmm. and he was collecting all these songs that people would sing, but uh, they weren't recorded. You know, it's like songs that you sing generation to generation, grandmothers to daughters and their daughters to their other daughters. And it's just songs that are like in the population, but they're, they're not in a There's record. There's no record. Yeah, exactly. That's incredible. I don't know why I never thought about that. So it's it was it really cool because he did at the time, I mean, this is the 1930s, and he was collecting all these like traditional songs. Wow. And then with... His friend, La Argentinita, who was a woman from Argentina who was living at the time there. And she Perfect was, name. she was quite a, like, a good singer. 
and like Federico knew how to play piano. He wasn't professional, but he knew music. He was talented. So they recorded this record of popular songs where he's playing piano and La, Argenti La Argentinita is singing and she's doing some percussion either with her feet, like flamenco, or, or like clapping with her hands. Yeah. And this is my favorite song out of that record of popular songs. And Amazing. the first time I listened to it, I cried. Oh the melody is beautiful. The lyrics are like so touching. I, I encourage everyone that is listening to this to go online and translate their lyrics. And uh, it's just very simple. And of course, it has flamenco roots. It's so simple, but really, really beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Here's her first track. El Zorongo Gitano. Do you want to say it too? El Zorongo Gitano. <laughs> wow, the difference. <laughs> All right, here's her first track. your first track yeah. uh let's Did hear you say because it sounds so much more beautiful and correct when you say it i'm really embarrassed <laughs> so <laughs> el tronco gitano by federico garcia lorca y la argentinita wow <laughs> 1931 <laughs> anyways <laughs> next one i am an ignorant american um no, yeah the next one look at my accent come on your accent is the best no. i mean that's it's not an accent we all we all have accents it's i feel like it's such a small talky thing when somebody just like hears you speak and they're just talking to you about your accent and just kind of like making you feel like an alien like you said earlier they do like every day i have 300 people asking me so where are you from yeah. when in my head i have a perfect californian accent it's like what yeah. are you talking about yeah. from you here. say dude more than i do <laughs> i say dude in fact a lot <laughs> it's true <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it's must be fucking exhausting. Um, all right. Well, so your second song, we're gonna get into it if that's okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep let's going because I have some stuff I want to talk to you about later. But I feel like we gotta get into the tunes. So your second song uh, is by the artist Concha Piquer. Yep. Piquer. Concha so Piquer. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> Doing it great. <laughs> 
I guess it, you, you sent it to me saying it was between 1936 and 1941. Yeah, it's unclear. It's unclear when that song was recorded, mm -hmm. so... So, um, the story of this song is Concha Piquer, uh, the first time she performed on a stage, she was 14 and it was also in New York. So connected with the previous song about the New York scene. Perfect segue. So, um, somehow she was discovered by this theater director who was doing this theater play called El Gato Montes, mm -hmm. which I don't really know the translation, The Cat in the Mountains or something. It sounds beautiful. So they were doing this theater play in Broadway, and she was 14, and she was extremely talented. So she was brought to New York to, this, to do this show, and she stayed there for like five years. Of course, she didn't know any English. She was born in Valencia in Spain, and uh, she was just an amazing performer and singer. And then after that, after performing in Broadway for the long time, for the longest time, she came back to Spain and she became, at the time, the most important, remarkable copla singer. And copla is a genre of music, uh -huh. which is like, it's a derivative of flamenco. It's more popular. Okay. It's easier. It's like the lyrics and, and the melodies are more like friendly, let's uh -huh. say. What do you mean by that? It will be like the pop version of flamenco. Okay. But so it's, it's just still more like, like a simple or easy for people to, it's exactly. catchier or something. Yeah. It was, it was an entertainment for people at the time. Mm -hmm. But it's still Coppola is amazing. It's one of my favorite genres of all sort of music and uh and, and it's definitely folk from spain it's like definitely part of our culture and our history and um so she was really well known at the time in fact the dictator franco at the time loved her and wanted her to be wow. like the singer of the dictator oh which gosh. i mean she, and she was like a very peculiar woman like really like she had a big ego and she will so travel young. She would travel everywhere with like huge boxes full of dresses, the most amazing dresses. And this is one of the, one of my favorite songs from her. Like other song that makes me cry and then, and that I listen to it all the time and that I sing when I'm driving and when I'm stuck in traffic, I go and I sing it. And lyrics are also really beautiful. What the lyrics say, it's like, it's basically this gypsy man who was the most handsome and charming <laughs> in the area. And he got killed because he got into a fight wow. because of jealousy. So the lyrics of the song say that all the young ladies in the area are crying for him, right? Because wow. he died and he was the most handsome gypsy. So yeah, it's really beautiful. Amazing. Let's get into it. Is this, a, this, you said this is a crier, potentially? It's, it's, it's Coppola. All Coppola's are kind of like, one they touch her, her, one tear, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, enjoy. I'm so bad at the segues. Con un clavel grana sangrando en la boca Con una varita de mimbre en las manos Por una vereda que lleva hasta el río Antonio Vargas, heredero gitano. Entre los naranjos la luna lunera ponía en su frente su luz más y cuando apuntaron lo claro del día llevaba reflejo del verde olivar, del verde olivar. Antonio Vargas, heredero de la raza calé cayó el membre de tu mano y de tu boca el clavel 
Concha Piquer. I hope you enjoyed and maybe had one tear down your face, but if not, that's okay. Your third track, Mm -hmm. um, I really loved. I'm so happy that you're on this podcast because, for many reasons, but I'm so excited. And the main reason why I wanted to start this project was to find music that I wouldn't necessarily find on my own, just organically or just through rummaging whatever I have now. Um, It's such a a wonderful way to get to know people and um, listen to music that, you know, I've never heard before necessarily. So I am so excited to dive into this and learn more about you and, and the history behind this. And this track we're about to listen to was like so good. I'm not saying the other ones weren't, but I was like, this is a banger. I'm I'm going to write this down and keep it forever. I'm so excited that this project is working and I'm experiencing new music. It's such a fun feeling. Um, That's so cool. So you want to say this? <laughs> okay, so she's Ima Sumak, uh-huh. and the track is called Gopher Mambo, and it's from 1954. So Ima Sumak is my number one. It's my goddess. It's my everything. Like, if I need to name a woman in music that I admire, it's her. She's from Peru. She was born in Peru, and she has the most incredible voice Probably of history of music. I mean, that will be exaggerating. But she's up there. But she's like on the top ten. Yeah. She is not only a singer. Like, she's not only a soprano. Or an opera singer, we we could say. She she has a range of voice. 
that she can imitate birds. A lot of the, the sounds that she has, when, when you listen to them, you feel like you're in the jungle and there are different animals and birds and it's her. Oh my God, it's amazing. Like her voice, it's incredible. So this track that I chose, it's a track out of her first record. The record that made her really famous. If I do recall, the album cover itself that's attached to this link is incredible. Yeah. Like, the photograph of her is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. She is, like, in every photo. She She's, like, she's like a diva. Yeah. Well, she deserves it. I title. know. That's amazing. So the songs were composed by, in, in this record, by her husband, Mo- Moises Bibanco. And then after this record, many other came. And this record in particular is about mambos. So this is a mambo. And I could have chosen any track of that record because every single track is a top hit. So fun to dance. I don't even know why I went for this one, but honestly, it could be any other one. And they moved to New York as well in 1946, her and her husband. And then she spent most of her life in the United States because she was, she became so famous. That, I mean, even though she will go to Peru and stuff like that, but she spent most of her career in the United States. She sings in Spanish and in English and in Peruvian languages and in bird languages. Yeah, and bird. Bird, Uh, in bird. How many fucking people do you know that can do that? And actually, she passed away not that many years ago in Los Angeles, and she is in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Oh, wow. Did she do performances up until her later years, or is it not really a, a thing like that? I, I think she did, but the most famous stuff is from her earlier yeah. years, Makes yeah. Sense. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for everyone to listen to yeah. these and to listen to Ima Sumac every day of your life. I have one little thing I wanted to touch on because when I was listening to the song, I immediately got like transported to a memory of mine in our timeline of our friendship of uh, stumbling into a dance contest oh my that God. you competed in. Oh my God. It just made, <laughs> it, it sounded like a song that... It reminded me of how insanely amazing you are at dancing. You're such an incredible dancer. I was like, my eyeballs melted out of my face because it was, it seemed like you were asleep. It was so like relaxed and second nature, but you had these moves that were so timeless and like impeccable. It's not true. It is absolutely true, but maybe just really quickly touch on that dance contest and have you won it yet? Because you need to, and I'm going to give you $100 right now. <laughs> no, I won second place. So one day I went to a show in downtown LA, and then I ended up there, and I participated, and then that, that one time I didn't win. But then I won a second time, and that second time I won second position against a woman that it was 20 feet taller than me. <laughs> And a boob of her came out during the last competition <laughs> and I almost smashed my face. No, and I couldn't, she won. That's I couldn't win against yeah. that. Yeah, the boob reveal is uh, unprecedented and that is a low blow. She knows that. I couldn't, but it was a soul dancing competition. I really like dancing to soul. And it's not like I'm good at it. It's just like dancing is fun. Yeah, but I mean... And it makes me really happy. If we were next to each other,
each other dancing right now, I mean, you will be it'd a goddess. It'd be like that meme of uh, you versus the girl she tells you not to worry about. I'm sorry to bring it to that level, but it's true. No, you will we, be a goddess. Okay, though, I'm just to say, I have a religion. Like, if people are curious about if I'm Catholic or whatever, no. My religion is never go to the west side and dance as much as you can. And if you do those two things, you're going to be just fine. Those are two separate things because I tried at first. I was in, uh, absorbing that information as don't ever go to the west side and dance as much as you can in the in the in, west side. In, no, <laughs> never. Like, in the, no, no, thank you. But if you happen to have to go to the west side for a meeting, make sure you dance. Yeah, that's so you make, make it. You make it even. The you balance it out. It's balance amazing. it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, we took a segue, but I needed to touch on that. Let's get into this track. Go for Mambo from 1954. Did I say it right? Yeah. Woo! Okay, amazing. I hope you all were shaking your butts. Oh my gosh, I'm loving this. Um, so this next one also I have a little fun fact about, but I almost want to test you to know if you know it, because when I was looking up this track and doing some investigating, by investigating I mean... Looking, Googling. Googling, but even worse, scrolling down from the YouTube link and reading the comments. Oh my god. Um, did you Such do that? Such a professional, of course. Do you, so, um, this song is also one of those ones where I was like, 
I don't know how I never heard this song before. It's so good. And it's so it's, good. And it's, like, hit me right in my core. It's, like, so catchy and so beautiful, and I just want to hear it on repeat forever. I'm going to keep this one in the in the archives for sure. Thank you for giving me this gift. It's really amazing. It's called Dumb Morrow Dumb from 1971 by Aisha Basol. I don't even know how to pronounce that either. B H O S L E. Asha Bahol Sol. No, that sounds like a Bahol. Asha Bahol. Bahol. Ashi Bahol. Asha Bahol. Yeah. Dum Maradum. You know, we're really sorry about it, but it's there. We love you, Asha. But that's another thing that was. I was trying to also pick female musicians, interpreters. Yes. So. Most of the, my picks are women. This, oh, a lot of them. This album cover as well blew me away. It was so beautiful. Just something about the like the the timeline of album covers from the sixties and seventies, and way earlier than that, obviously too. Just really beautiful photographs of people posing in very specific, like, yeah. still ways because they really had to hold the pose, and then like beautiful paintings and like hand-painted or hand-put-in uh, scripture or images. It's, like, it's so beautiful to see the, the work. Um, but I scrolled down from listening to this track, and everyone was talking about Grand Theft Auto. Seriously? Yeah, this song is featured on no! Liberty City in Grand Theft Auto. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had no idea. I was cracking up because I was like, oh, wow, there's so well, many it's comments. A it's a hit. It's a hit. Well, I was reading, I was so perplexed by that. I had no idea. So people are like, Grand Theft Auto, this song's bringing back memories. Because that's, that's a video game, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a really uh, fun but depressing I don't know game. anything about video games. It's just a, uh, a game that's been around for a long time that has different spinoffs of um, Grand Theft Auto. Of a guy, you play a character and, ooh, a lot of people are going to be fucking mad at me for trying to explain Grand Theft Auto. I'm not the right person to be doing <laughs> Okay, it. let's not do well, it. You drive a car it's around it's and you can, like, you can like fly a helicopter and you can like drive around and like roll, run over people in that and case, the cops are coming after you. In and that case, I think I have two of my tracks in that video game because I believe... I don't know if I'm wrong, but I believe my extra track, it's also in that oh, video that game. that is true. So, oh my god, out of six selects, two of them. Rocio is a fucking Grand Theft Auto super fan. <laughs> super fan. I love I it. I didn't, I knew it. She, she didn't have this much uh, I love it. worldly, uh, uh, beautiful in her music knowledge. She just loves playing Grand Theft Auto. That's all I do. That's like me if I uh, made a crazy taxi playlist. <laughs> That's another shitty driving game. Um, it was fun at the time, but yeah, so everyone was talking about how the song was on Liberty City, and then I read even deeper, and it was a song that you'd, it would play in taxis, Oh, which I think is pretty kind of not okay, because it's, no. it's a song that's like a worldly song, and they're probably just trying to riff on like a, an Indian man, like yeah. driving around a, a taxi. Because it's an Indian song, we didn't yeah. mention that, but yeah, that's racist, and I don't like that. Yeah. What I know about the song, this is what I know, because I don't know 21st century things about the song, but I know other stuff. Uh, I know about the song that it was the soundtrack of a movie in India at the time. That's way a better piece of information. And the movie was called Hare Rama Hare Krishna. And this is a fun fact, that movie was kind of like a, like a remake of 
Seek Out from 1968 really? with Jack Nicholson. Oh, so it was like a re like an Indian remake, kind of, How of funny. that psychedelic movie. But I don't know if you've seen Seek Out, but it, it looks like a psychedelic movie about these hippies in San Francisco. But actually, it's an anti anti drug movie. Because what happened in the movie is that everyone takes LSD and go bonkers. Yep. And, and they, they get, get in trouble. Away. Yeah, they scare the movie scares the fuck out of you. It's like, don't take LSD, you're gonna become bonkers. Being a hippie is not really cool. Yeah. So yeah. this movie is the same thing. It's like also a very psychedelic, groovy movie, but it's it has the same message. And it was inspired. It's the Bollywood version. Yeah, Amazing. it was inspired by Psych Out. That's so cool. And this woman also was very well known, very famous, also performed in the States, I believe even in the Hollywood Bowl. So it's also other women that at the time broke like the boundaries of being a housewife and raising a lot of children and staying home and she became an artist and not only that, she also traveled and came to the United States to the United States with her art. Amazing. So that's also a reason why I chose her. But mainly because this song it's fucking incredible. And it really is. And I feel embarrassed Rocio, I'm not even done with my information. I found out more about Oh, my song. God. So through, you know, I've never learned so much from reading the comments on YouTube, but um, Busta Rhymes sampled this song in one of his songs, which is called What's Happening featuring Method Man. Oh, my God. And I watched the music video. It has, like, 17 million views. I remember hearing this song before, like, years ago, but it didn't hold in my memory. But I just was, like, so excited to talk about this. <laughs> I almost want to play, like, a little bit of the Busta Rhymes song, just because in the first Do second it. you play... I'll just play a little... Yeah, you better light your L, smoke your L, and just kiss the sky. Huh. And if you act with disrespect, bust a man, find that man die. Okay, yeah, it's crazy. So it's in, the, in the beginning of the song, as you heard, is just like the sample of. It's crazy. You guys just heard it. It's cool, <laughs> but yeah. So let's actually get into the pure form of this incredible song and uh, not have any Grand Theft Auto talk <laughs> anymore <laughs> or Busta Rhymes. Sorry. Method Man is cool. But yeah, it's just, I, I wonder how the the timeline of sampling a song like from that era goes into like a modern hip hop song. Anyway, crazy. Let's listen to it. This song is called Dumb Marl Dumb by, you Asha, know who it is. Asha Asshole. <laughs> no, asshole. No. We're sorry. From 1971, do it.
like a motherfucker with that song i bet some, so good i bet at least so one good. person was like oh my god i remember playing grand theft Auto yeah, that song. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy that that's how our modern minds go not mine <laughs> yeah okay so this is your last song this is my very last song without counting the extra track are we gonna play the extra track? we're playing the extra track oh, so, so i have a conflict of interest though well, you're forced to it because yeah, I'm the guest. Right, I'm right. the guest. Right. So, anyways, um, my last track. Do you want to read it? It's called El Polen is the Artist. Yes. Uh, and the song title is Mi Cueva yeah. from 1973. Yeah. So, this is a Peruvian song as well. Amazing. And it's more modern than the rest. And the reason why I chose it is because this song combines garage music, which I love, yes, with folk music from Peru. And uh, it's it, like basically what they play. It's a type of music called Juanjo, which is Quechua. What's that? Quechua is the popular um, Peruvian, or in English I think is Andean. Okay. Music. And, uh, yeah, the the members of the band are Juan and Luis Pereira. They, they were brothers. And before they they formed El Polen, they used to play in ba- in Peruvian bands, like kind of like garage, rock and roll, psychedelic Peruvian bands, called Los Saints y Los Drags. And this song, it's one of my favorite songs ever. It's magical. It's... It's it like it gives me goosebumps. Amazing. It's beautiful. It's like everything I love in one, because it's it's garage mm-hmm. and and it's kind of lo-fi and it has that psychedelic vibe, but also it's folk and you can feel it. It's yeah. primitive. What part of your do you remember like the first time you heard it or how did you stumble upon this track? I believe the first time I heard this song, it was in a compilation of Peruvian bands from the 70s. From Grand Theft Auto. 
No. No. Oh my god. No, 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 no. It's it's too mellow for yeah. that. Yeah. But, But I think it wasn't a compilation of Peruvian bands. Amazing. And and I think in that compilation actually only have they only have that one song from this band. Because it was like the hit, I guess. Cool. But it's a very mellow song. Also the lyrics are really evoking. It's it's just beautiful. Amazing. It I, I've listened to it like a hundred times through my life. Amazing. It's so beautiful. I'm so happy, and I love that that's your final tying out the, tie the knot with this last song, plus the extra track, but I'm really happy, I love hearing stories about, you know, it's such a special moment when you hear a song that really just, like, completely flips you upside down, and you you know you're not going to be the same ever again, and you just want to tell everyone about it. I know. That's why I was so glad that I got invited because I was like, I can share these beautiful songs that I love that probably everyone knows. But still, let's listen to them again together, you know? Amazing. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So let's get into it. Let's Let's play it. Let's go for it. Mi Cueva by El Polen. Thank you. 
beautiful. We did it. Crying, crying, we tears, tears. Noodles is awake. <laughs> Noodles is awake. That's my dog. Oh, she just rolled back over. She's over it. Oh, audible sigh. She's not not into my tracking list. Uh, She doesn't party that much. Anyways, this is good audio material. Um, Rocio, I'm so happy that you came here and talked to me about... I just, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess I'm trying to say is I'm so thankful that there's substance and, and color and and... And culture and, and what you do. And I, I love being your friend and getting to know you and learning new things. And it's such an important part of how I want to live my life. And it's so, I feel so lucky that I get to be your friend because it, you pushed me to be positive and work hard and not be too hard on myself, but also be hard on yourself in the right ways. And you're just so inspiring. You just never stop. And you're, I've never seen you frown, even in hard times. It's just such a important part of my heart. And I'm so happy that you're my friend. My love. <laughs> we're shaking. We're holding each other's hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason why I keep going with energy is because of friends like you. Like, it's great. I'm so And I'm really blessed. happy you put together this project, which is beautiful. Thank you. I mean, I'm I'm just trying to put myself out there a little bit and in a fun, positive way that I'm really just doing this for me. It's a, I don't want it to like, I don't want to advertise it or have it be a big thing. I just really, I it's a great excuse to hang out with my friends and they have to hang out with me. <laughs> and we get to talk about stuff. I don't know. I'm just, I feel like in my life I'm so, I'm dying for real connection and um, I appreciate real conversation and real memories and one-on-one like intimate talks so much dude that's so important especially in this city i feel like we're lacking a lot of having real conversations like in la it's a place where we have so much small talk Mm -hmm. like especially us that we're into music and we go to a lot of shows i have a lot of people that i call my friends but really they don't know what i do in life they don't know what I do for mm-hmm. a living. It's just every time you see each other, it's like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Good, good. It's hard to get past that yeah, level. Yeah, it's really hard. So, yeah, it's really also significant for me that you're honestly saying, I'm not doing this, posca- this podcast because I want to become famous or because I feel like this is a door that is going to open other door and networking mm-hmm. and having a portfolio and this and that because, like, we don't need to do things because those things are going to take us to success. Mm-hmm. You need to do those things because you feel them in your heart. Yeah. I That's mean, it. I just, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I'm, I'm going to try and do this a lot more because it's Also, I want to say, and this is important, that Shelby, it's good friend with like all the most remarkable musicians in town. Like she knows everyone. <laughs> She knows every single one. I'm not going to name drop him, but you guys know who I'm talking about. And who? I guess I know Justin Bieber. And she <laughs> and she used to know Michael Jackson in person. Yeah. But she decided to invite me, who I'm like, I'm nobody, you no, know? No, that's not true. And, and, I'm, a, and I'm a filmmaker, which is not even related with music. But she was like, you know what? 
I love you. Come on. So, dude, I don't know. It's just, so twisted, and I have to. Rebuttal. It's true. I really it's have true. to. I because you could have you could have invited an, any right, like amazing musician, and you're like, no, I'm just gonna bring this Spaniard. Probably nobody's no, gonna understand her accent. Overly, I think it's cool. That's overly <laughs> humble, and that's. I mean, that just speaks volumes to how wonderful you are. And I want to interview people that I love and find incredibly inspirational and make me want to grow and thrive as a person and really make me want to create things and collaborate and and learn and you are the epitome of that and I don't want you to think yourself I don't want you to absorb anything less than that and I think we're totally conditioned to to feel like uh the comparing and despairing aspect of life of well, that person has uh, knows more people and they're more quote unquote popular, so that that means more than what I'm doing. But what you're doing is you're so inspirational, and I don't want you to put yourself down because but, it's incredible. But you can read that because you're you're a magical soul. Because nowadays people are like, how many followers you have, and oh, how popular you are, and you're right. We only need to compare ourselves with ourselves. And that's it. Yeah, I just don't... I really... I, I mean, you're a, a wonderfully humble person, but I just really don't want you to bring yourself down because of what other people are doing because a lot of, a lot of the times, people front a lot and they don't actually have any substance and you're a real physical human being that has a lot to offer in, in every single way that of that word and... It's just like it's important for okay. me to put you up. Okay, you're right. You're actually right. And now we're fine. As a musician, I know how to do three things with drums. Like three. Dude, you shred. Like three. But mind blowing. This is a, a good segue because I. I mean, I'm glad we just kind of like punished each other a little bit because I love doing that. It's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> um, we have this thing, ongoing thing in our friendship that I don't necessarily see you a lot. But I almost, it's a kind of a good thing that we've worked out because I don't need to see you all the time because I know you're working really hard and I know you have projects that you need to be working on and you need the time and space to allow yourself that that window and that, that space to work on projects and feel like you're creative and not in the red. And there's a lot of, um, I know for myself, I am so prone to jumping into whatever social event instead of taking that couple of hours and just sitting with my my thoughts and in my room playing guitar or working on something or creating something like I love to fill my time with more immediate satisfaction and like you said earlier there's a lot of people that we go to shows or we go to parties and we're both sociable people and we end up spending our whole night just saying hi to 200 people instead of having a real connection or feeling like, oh, I'm really glad I went out tonight because I really loved a conversation I had with blah, blah, yeah. blah. Or I really am so thankful I went to that show because I actually feel like I did something. You know, it's like all those things are great in, in, in portions, but I think... It cannot be everything. Yeah, and I think we've, we've talked about it but a it's lot. But been, it's been a process for me too. Like I've been that person as well. Like I've been more unconfident or lost or... Or just more immature, or or just I wanted to have fun and and I wanted to experience it all because I grew up in a tiny little town in South of Spain and I I wanted to see it all and and I've been there like 
hanging out every day and partying every day. And it's been a process for me to realize that for you to create something, you need to be alone. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean loneliness. It means that you're creating and it requires to not be socializing, which is also a huge sacrifice because you know that there are things going on out there. And for moments you freak out, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my friends because I locked myself in the house to write this script. And I haven't seen anyone in three weeks, so they're not going to love me anymore. And then you find out that the people who are your real friends, actually, they're extremely proud of you for having like the commitment of locking in your house for three weeks and writing a script. And they love you even more because you've been brave and because you did what you what you said that you were gonna that you were gonna do. So it's been a process, and and of course, you're afraid sometimes of not being in the verge of the the fan and the yeah. FOMO. I mean, FOMO. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> but, but, but it's a process. And, and that's something that I went through this year specifically because I'm currently working on my second feature film. Amazing. And it got a lot of sacrifice. Like, it was a lot of saying no. Like, no, I'm not going to the show. No, I'm not going out tonight. No, I'm not going to go on this trip or I'm not going to go to that party. But it was worth it. I mean... That That's doesn't mean that is. doesn't mean that I want to do sacrifices all the time. I also want to spend time with my friends, either quality of time or party time. We also need to do a lot of self-care mm -hmm. and like allow us to have free time and to go on vacations. Sometimes it's not all about working, working, working. But yeah, this year has been a lot of learning all those lessons. And I think I've been learning that with you as well. Yeah, it's, I just, I, I am so happy to see you actually, you know, locking your door and actually doing it. And, and it's, that's the hardest thing. I mean, for me, I'm speaking from my own experience. It's just, it's so much easier to just, you know, do it tomorrow. Well, you're doing it now. We're doing I know, podcast. it took me fucking We're two months. It's like, I'm losing my mind. But it's, yeah, it's, it's all... A lot of boundaries are set up in our in our brains to prevent us from doing things that can be so simple and you can have a huge support system. I, I learned recently about this concept that people call the the blocking of willing, which is like the more the, the more you want to do something, the less you do it. And I noticed that on myself oh my God. because yeah. of a simple um, example. Like, I will wake up in the morning, and I will have, let's say, 20 emails, because I have a lot of emails mm -hmm. every day. It sucks. <laughs> you but, gotta get an intern. Anyway, <laughs> right? Like an assistant. Yeah. No, but like, some of those emails are bullshit. Mm -hmm. So, some other emails are work-related, but not really important. But there is this one email that you know immediately, mm -hmm. because of the person who is emailing you, and because of the subject, that is super important for you. Mm -hmm. That is a good thing. Okay. That is related with something that you're excited mm -hmm. and then you want to do it. And, and it's going to take you probably three hours to answer that email, but it's going to give you so many rewards. I opened the other 19 emails before opening that one. That's because amazing. that's that's the block blocking of willing. You're so afraid of your own happiness wow. and so afraid of the things that are about to come. They are yeah. so overwhelming that you're like, okay, I'm gonna open first these five bullshit emails, and then I'm gonna answer these other six emails about work, and then that one is there, the last one. 
So I've been forcing myself to go like, no. You read all your spam, I'm like, gonna, head yeah. and toe, just like, oh, look at all these deals. <laughs> Forever I 21 yeah. has 50% yeah. summer dresses, what? You look at all the dresses. <laughs> no, I've been forcing myself to go like, no, this is what I really want. And I'm not going to be scared of what I want. And I'm not going to be scared of what it takes. And I'm going to open this one first. And it's it's terrifying mm-hmm. for some reason. But it's just you have to do it. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I resonate with that thought process. I mean, like with everything that in my life, basically, like up until this point, I've, I've really been trying to sit with that feeling, especially this year and like confronting things that I irrationally hold myself back from. But yeah, so the the things that you want the most are the things that are so far away and you can't get to them, right? So, so we set scary. up all of these boundaries and obstacles in our heads that make it way harder for us because it's so much easier to punish ourselves instead of just being yep. okay with failing or having it be unpredictable or having it be something new and different because change is confusing and weird and feeling uncomfortable all the time isn't fun, but I can also speak that being miserable isn't fun either. And spending every night wanting that one thing that's stuck in, in your brain every fucking minute of every day, like, you gotta fucking do it. And I'm, I mean, literally easier said than done, but it's a process. So just be nice really, to yourself. And then it's really funny because also LA is full of people who are probably too brave. They're like, I'm coming here to be an actress. And they jump into the pool like straight up mm-hmm. and, and they are not afraid and they're, they, they, they want to do it all in one day, which I don't think it's cool either. Like a middle point of being aware of the challenges that are about to come, being aware of all the sacrifices that probably you're gonna, you're about to do. And, um, I don't know. Like, it's hard. Yeah. It's a, it's a process. It's, it's a process. Guys, it's hard, it's okay? It's just really hard. But also, it's fun. And that's the secret. Like, doing a lot of, like, mental work on turning everything into fun and love. A positive thing. Yeah. Because with Eliola, with the film showcase, I'm not going to lie. There are days that I wake up in the morning, and there are, like, 300 fires that I need to... <laughs> like and I'm like, why am I you're doing this? Why am I doing this showcase? But then you're like, no, I'm doing this because of all these positive things, and I'm working with my friends, and I love them, and the audience that comes, we're giving them this present, and we're helping these filmmakers. So you need to stop for ten minutes and just think about this is fun, mm-hmm. and this is what I want to do, and I believe in this. Amazing. It's really important to do things that you believe in. Yeah. Because there, there is a lot of people here in L.A. specifically. This city yeah. is so beautiful and also so, like, depressing. cursed and depressing somehow. But there are a lot of people here doing things that they believe those are the things that they need to pursue. Like, I have to do these. Mm-hmm. And people expect me to do that thing. No. It's really something that I also found out. Just do whatever really moves you. Because it's the only way you're going to do... It's not going to fail you because yeah. you have heart in it. And it's, yeah, the only way you're going to be genuine and authentic. When you're not genuine, it sucks. And people kind of smell it. Oh, yeah. And it will end and up you not smell it, and you're you. not And you're not happy yeah, doing it. It yeah. won't work out in the end because your heart's not in it. So, man, we're the end of this thing is getting real deep, but... 
I mean, I'm all about saving you money on therapists this week. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> been to my therapist in a while. No, no, you, our our listeners. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you guys. <laughs> also, if you know me, I talk about therapy all the time. And if you need one, or if you have questions about it, I'm your girl. I'll tell you <laughs> I get one. Seriously, contact me. I know all the people. No, it's just a website. Go on Psychology Today. You'll you, you'll figure it out. <laughs> Just um, Google it. Just Google it. I don't have to do that. I don't want to be the middleman. Anyway, I got all bitter. Um, okay, Rocio, I'm so... I mean, we're going to continue to talk after I turn this stuff off, but... Oh, I smoke, smoke a cigarette. cigarette. Yeah. Do you guys want a cigarette? I, yes. I don't... I'll watch... You look amazing smoking a cigarette, so I'm just going to watch you. Um, but thank you so much for talking with me and sharing... Thank you, my love, for inviting me. me. It's been so fun, and... And my oh, extra truck. Oh, and yeah. my extra truck. She okay. doesn't want to play it, but I'm going to explain why I chose this extra truck. Okay. Which I wasn't allowed because she told me five trucks and I was like, fuck it. I, I'm not stern on it, so it's fine. So anyways, the reason why I'm choosing this extra truck is because of two reasons. Reason number one, it's because it's called the dream. And this is the only American dream that I, I think is uh, valuable. I don't buy any other American oh dreams. This is the one and only. But the main reason, it's because Shelby and I, we've seen this band live probably 200 and a million times. And this is my very most favorite song of this band. And this is the song you broke your, your no. shoulder to. Okay, so, okay, so this is the story. I was planning to do stage diving with this song. Right. Okay. And this song, this song normally they used to play. They like they had like a set, and normally it used to be the one before the last song. But for some reason that night, I asked the guys in the band. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna do some stage diving tonight, some cross surfing, and I, I wanna do it with the dream." And then one of the members of the band looked at me, and, and he was like, uh, we're going to play that song really early in the set. And I was like, how early? And he was like, you'll see. And it was the fucking first yeah. song. So it was like, I cannot jump now. It's too you early. You have in general, but yes. And that's, not- why, that's why I broke my shoulder, because it should have been with the dream. No, so, you definitely would have broken your skull. Anyways, but- I will have broken anyways. Yeah. But yeah, basically, this song reminds me to Shelby. <laughs> and I've danced to this song so many times next to Shelby. And for the record, uh, I've never danced to this she song. She never. I, I sat next to Shelby <laughs> because I'm the one dancing and she's the one looking at me like you're a loco. No, I just... Okay, so um, my lovely human, my life partner, Tim. Okay, I didn't want to mention it, but there we go. He plays in this band, so I had to say it. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm like, her significant other podcast is the bass player of this amazing song. So what is what is its song called? The American <laughs> Dream is the name of the song. It's by um, it's uh, American Woman, by Lenny Kravitz. It's called American Woman. Go. Go. Play it. No, it, uh, it's called The Dream. It's by... The Ozies. Yep. Oh, now Ozies. Because they changed the name and they they don't have the D anymore. I don't I don't know anything about by that, but Ozies. I don't know why. But who she cares? doesn't know anything. I didn't even know until right now. What's oh, what do you surprise. Mean? Well, 
To be continued. I'll have Tim Breaking on here in news. a couple of weeks, and you know, we'll we'll just talk about that the whole time, <laughs> not about our relationship at all. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, here you go. Enjoy. Thank you, Rocio. I love you. I love you. Te quiero, amiga. Bye.